Going Linux, episode 409, Listener Feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, our email address is goinglinux at gmail.com and our voicemail line is 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hello, Bill. Hello, Larry. You know, I was just looking at that. You changed the order. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, I got to mix it up every once in a while. Keep people listening. I was, you, you know, I've done that, that portion so long. I was almost ready to say, oh, wait a minute. That's on his side. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Keeping me honest. So, yes. So, what uh, Linuxy, computery things have you been doing? Well, uh, funny you should ask. I am in the process of uh, ending my Grand Manjaro um, experiment. I've enjoyed my. Oh no! No, I've enjoyed it uh, quite a bit, but I think it's time to go back to the roots, and I'm looking for um, an, an Ubuntu-based uh, again. Um, I'm thinking more maybe Pop OS with they've added some cool things I want to try. And okay, uh, it's been a while since I've tried that, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, and so I, you know, I, I like their. Um, I'm used to uh, Ubuntu. I'm, well, I'm used to Manjaro now, but uh, it's been. It, there's nothing wrong with Manjaro, but uh, I have uh, kept it up to date um, mm -hmm. for. Wow, it's what's longer than most I've kept on my machine, and I'm starting to yeah. see little, little glitches. No, no game stoppers or anything, uh, but you know this the constant rolling release. You know, you always have to, you know, make sure that it's up to date, and, and you know, yeah. and I actually had to jump into the command line one. Um, day because it would it, I know there was updates and it would not update um, and I had to actually uh, Google and find out what I needed to do to, um, to to get it to update and once I did the update from the command line and then I was able to update it through the user interface so as a general thought Manjaro is is nice solid I just I just think it's a little too bleeding edge. I I kind of like the LTSs where they're, you know, you got you know five five years and you just you know the updates are very stable. So I would give Manjaro a rating of of out of a ten, I'd give it a a, a solid seven point five eight. Uh, it's been it's been fun, but it it, it works differently than the way I I I want to. Um, so it's not bad, but it, after the extended test drive, I, I'm ready to go back to an Ubuntu based or a Debian based or, or, um, staying away from, um, anything with RPM because me and RPM don't get along as you well know over the <laughs> past years, but 
Uh, yeah. Like I said, Manjaro's been is a is a fine pro, uh, project. It's a it's a good solid, re- but I just I kind of don't want to be on that that accelerated pace. And Arch is even faster than Manjaro because Manjaro holds some stuff back. So it's time to go back uh, to stability and um and it has been stable, but I mean something a little bit more, you know, where it's always ready to go and i don't have to worry about yeah. if i don't get that update is it going to break something or is there a uh something critical that needs to be patched so yeah right yep yep i get it and i was on a rolling release for a little while i think it was the linux mint developer de- developer edition de whatever de was ah, okay or lmde for a while while it was rolling and I understand they may be changing some of that, or I, I don't remember everything that I heard on the Mintcast, but uh, yeah, one of the reasons I stopped using the rolling release is the same sort of things that you're talking about, the fact that you have to keep up on it all the time, and it was more maintenance than I wanted to invest the time to do. And yeah, it it's good. It works great as long as you keep on top of it. Yeah, and I just couldn't see myself um, doing uh, a pure arch. Um, it's just it's, it's you know I'm always having to think. Have I updated this thing? Because you know there's some weeks like you know we were just talking before the show that work is just brutal, and I just don't have time uh, to you know log in. Did I do anything? Because it's it's you know, in my daily life, I, I do use Linux, but, uh, sometimes, a lot of times it's just, you know, surfing the web or whatever, and I only have a few minutes. I, I'd rather not spend that time <laughs> on make you know, updating or, or having, you know, a bunch of updates. And sometimes the updates are big. I mean, I've gotten updates for this, you know, real small updates, like, uh, you know, 25, uh, you know, quick little like 250 meg or something like that and then um the rolling in sometimes i've gotten like a a, a gig of uh, updates i'm sure you can have that with any distribution well that's true yeah but i think it's less frequent on a more stable distribution than a rolling one and i i, I really find that <laughs> i guess it's because i'm getting old <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably one of those gray beards without the technical savvy. Um, but I don't really care if I'm on this most super newest, flashiest feature of Audacity. If I have an Audacity at works or I'm happy, you know, I, I, I don't like to yeah. have to keep seeing, oh, look, we added this and it's a totally different interface. Uh, not that that's happened with Audacity, but you know how you get used to a workflow and sometimes I just don't, um, don't have time to, to, you know, learn the newest workflow or, you know, I'd rather use the computer instead of maintaining it. If that makes sense. Yeah. All yeah. The time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'd rather have the, computer work for you rather than the other way around <laughs> work for the friend nightwise would say <laughs> yeah so anyway it's it's been fun but yeah i'm definitely going to either go back to like a uh, an ubuntu uh, derivative or ubuntu or maybe pop os i just haven't really uh had time to even 
do more than work and sleep. So well, as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to definitely be moving to uh, uh, an Ubuntu-based uh, uh, distro. So with that, okay. now you've heard my me uh, whine about uh, Manjaro. So <laughs> would, <laughs> would you like to get into some of these uh, emails? Well, yeah, let's do that. That's what they hear. That's what they want to hear anyway. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. We could just continue chatting on about stuff that's gone on, but <laughs> that's not. Oh, okay. I boil it down. Work, sleep, eat. Okay, next. <laughs> okay. So our first uh, email comes from Nate, and he has a uh, new listener question. He says, hello, Going Linux crew. Greetings from Gallup, New Mexico. Hey, he's a New Mexican. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a new listener, and I am really enjoying the show. I have two quick questions for you all. I am wanting to switch to Linux, but I'm a little hesitant. The reason being that with the popularity of mobile devices, such as the iPad and iPad Pro, are desktop environments like Linux going to survive? Finally, could you all recommend a good two-in-one laptop or tablet that I can put Linux on and which distro would work well for that? Thank you for all your time and keep up the great work. Sincerely, Nate. So, uh, let's break this down. Uh, he had two questions. He asked, you know, with all the, I guess, all the mobile devices, you know, the iPads and stuff, is there even a, you know, reason to have a desktop Linux? And I would say, yes, if you've ever tried to do any really serious work, <laughs> you know that, uh, that having a, uh, laptop, desktop, uh, is probably a lot faster and uh and also if you're going to do any kind of rendering or you want to record anything you have a lot more options just that's just two right off the top of my head and web browsing for a lot of things is a lot easier on the laptop that i found yeah i think of all you're doing is consuming like browsing the internet and reading your email and looking at news feeds and maybe some videos and things. Uh, a mobile device is fine for that kind of thing. But like you said, Bill, if you really want to accomplish something that is not just text-based, that actually requires some uh, computing power, like rendering videos, creating videos and rendering them, or um, audio recording or something even more demanding than either of those, then you're going to need the power of a computer because the mobile devices have come a long way in the last few years, but they are still not capable of being specced out even to the level of laptops. Uh, and if you want even more, you can get a desktop computer, a, a computer in a case that uh, allows you to swap out components for more powerful components when your requirements take you beyond what's provided in the box. Um, yeah, so regarding two-in-one laptops for Linux, uh, the, uh, another of Nate's questions, you could try 
what I have, which is the Dell XPS 13 or Inspiron 14. Dell makes a uh, two-in-one version of many of the computers in their line. And the XPS 13 is a high-end computer. The Inspiron is a, uh, a, I'm not going to say low-end computer, but it's lower end than the XPS, I think, in many of their models. Um, You could also try, if you want a high-end Lenovo two-in-one, the X1, uh, the ThinkPad X1 Yoga is another one. And the last suggestion we would have for you is to take a look at Ubuntu Certified List. And we'll have a link in the show notes to the Ubuntu Certified List of computers that are certified by Canonical to run Ubuntu. And of course, there are other um, hardware lists available. We'll have a link to at least one of those in the show notes too for you to take a look at what other computers are available and compatible or designed for Linux um, and whether they are particularly a, a tablet type or a two-on-one laptop is something else. You know, some of them are, some of them aren't. Just look through the list, see what you think, and there are plenty of them out there for sure. Yeah, and uh, I, I was wanted to add one last thought that uh, to this question, especially the first part where you asked about the iPad and iPad Pro, uh, I think you hit it on the head when you said that you know they're they're mainly designed to consume uh, media yeah. and stuff, and um, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna want to play any really like uh, games that needs the horsepower for graphics horsepower, uh, why why they have come a long way? They're just not up to the same. Uh, level as uh, a laptop or desktop. So maybe that, I hope that helps, Nate. Yep. All right. Our next email is from Michael, the frugal computer guy. And it's a little long, so we'll split this one up into two parts. He wrote about the Pinebook Pro, and we asked some time ago for some feedback on the Pinebook Pro, particularly positive feedback because our original reviews of the Pinebook Pro took does decidedly negative bent. So here's what Michael had to say. Hello, Larry and Bill. You are asking for comments from people who have purchased a Pinebook Pro, and I have one. So here's my story. I placed my order for a Pinebook Pro 64 and received an order confirmation right away. Some time passed without any word from them, so I checked their website and found that they wait until they get enough orders and have a batch build, and then build that batch at that time. On their website, I also saw a note about them not accepting returns for screens with five or less pixels not working. The note said that it is not a moneymaker for them, and if you are not good with five or less pixels not working, don't buy one. I had already purchased mine and was preparing myself for having four pixels not working. Sometime later, the Pine Book finally arrived, just about dinner time. I opened it up in front of my wife and daughter, and with a quick press of the on button, nothing happened. I thought it must have a dead battery. I plugged it in and quickly pressed the button again, and nothing happened. Disappointed, I put the computer back in the box, 
during dinner, I got the idea that I pressed that on button like I do all my other computers, but maybe I just needed to press and hold the button for a few seconds. I did that, and the Pinebook Pro powered right up. It boots up into a system setup, and it would have been nice to have a sheet of paper helping me decide what settings I want. Most of them were obvious, but there were a couple that I wasn't sure about. Anyhow, I got it working, and every pixel on the screen lit up. Michael continues by writing, Before purchasing a pen book, I did a little research because I was looking for something comparable to a Chromebook, meaning lower, lower price, lightweight, good battery life that would run Linux and run LibreOffice. That Pinebook Pro met all my conditions and I was aware it, it only had 4 gig of memory and an ARM-based chip and that would limit its use. I already have a, an expensive heavy laptop for my daily computer needs. I do a lot of video editing and I wanted something small and light, light that can do light tasks like email, light browsing, one or two tabs, and SSH. Something I can easily take with me when I'm, I go out or go on trips that will not be a big loss if it were damaged, lost, or stolen. I do have the suggested Manjaro operating system on the uh, provided eMMC memory, but it's very easy to run other operating systems off a microSD. There was a list of them on their site. I just downloaded the OS, put it on the microSD card, put the SD card into the microSD slot on the computer, and powered on the Pinebook Pro. It attempts to boot into the operating system on the SD card. Some work well, and some I could not get to work at all. As for the 64 gig of memory limit, I don't really have a problem with that when traveling. I put a bunch of videos on an SD card and my daughter was able to watch them as we travel in the car. The battery life is great and it came with a switchable US European electrical plug connection. I will say the touchpad is not the best so for many activities uh, attaching a mouse will make things easier. Overall I am happy with my Pinebook. Regards Michael. Okay, so there's a positive review, that's for sure. Um, with a little uh, negative twist at the beginning, maybe disappointing twist that you have to wait for them to get enough orders before they'll ship it to you. But if that's the only problem, uh, and you didn't actually get one of the ones that has a subpar display, I think you're in good shape. And no one else, as far as I know, has complained at least to us, about any pixels being off uh, or a significant number of pixels, pixels being off on their display. Um, I don't think anybody's said anything about that, have they, Bill, that you recall? No, I, no not really. I, I'm just wondering <laughs> the, uh, what they were thinking because he said they put that if you have a problem... <laughs> with the screen. Okay, I'm buying a new device. You know there's a problem with the screen, so if you're not good with the screen having dead pixels, then don't mm -hmm. order it. That just seems kind of bizarre to me, but okay. Yeah, it sounds to me like they're not uh, purchasing their displays, the panels, from the 
best batch. Do you think they're seconds or something? No, I don't think they're seconds, but I think that the the panel manufacturers have the highest quality ones that the highest paying uh, like the Dells okay. and the HPs and you know all the the top brands uh they pay a little extra to make sure that they have no dead pixels or at minimum one dead pixel oh, I would okay. expect That's what you're saying. and then everything else goes out to all the others and you can pay even less if you're willing to take some dead pixels <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> okay. so they're try they're they're buying them on the cheap is what i'm implying here <laughs> or now i'm saying so uh yeah but uh, hey at least it's on their website yeah i'll give that, them that yeah, that that there may be some dead pixels on these displays, and if you're okay with that, that's fine. See, yeah, that's something I wouldn't be okay with, especially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's new, so it should not have dead pixels. I mean, that's just basic quality control that I would think. But I'm not going to harsh on Pinebook. I mean, I, I see what they're trying to do, but yeah, see, uh, I. F- they're trying to keep the price down. Yeah, trying to keep the price down, but geez, really? Okay. Anyway, let's move yeah. on. Okay. Well, just one more added point on this is that, you know, the Pinebook Pro is, uh, as Michael says, it's an ARM-based uh, chip in this device. Yeah. And I have an ARM-based device myself that I installed Linux on. And one of the things that Michael mentions is that there's some limitations to ARM based devices. And the biggest one that I have found uh, is that not all Linux applications are written for the ARM processor. I have a Raspberry Pi 3B Plus. So it's not the top of the line Raspberry Pi, but it, you know, it does the job. It's got one gig of memory, which is marginally enough to run Ubuntu Mate even the Raspberry Pi version. And I, that's what I have installed. And what I did was I um, put a, a RAM disk in place or a swap disk uh, on there, which Ubuntu Mate doesn't configure by default on the Raspberry Pi image. So I put that in there. That has helped the speed a lot. But the biggest disadvantage I find are some of the applications that I use are just not available for the ARM processor. So just be aware, if you purchase a computer with an ARM processor and many of the mobile devices, tablets and so on, that you might think you could put Linux on are also ARM-based devices, be aware that you may not have your favorite program available. Now, more and more of them are becoming available through snap packages and things like that, which may work on a, an Ubuntu-based system, uh, regardless of whether it's ARM or not. But I don't know that everything is going to be available for you. So that's just my caution. Yeah. Okay. Our next email is from Liz, and she's sent us a couple. Uh, and she continues some thoughts on Manjaro. She says... Warning. <laughs> now, I don't know whether she typed that in or whether that was typed in by my email provider, but there is a little spicy language in here, which we'll kind of skip over for purposes of our podcast. Uh, how the F did Manjaro get so high in DistroWatch? 
censorship. After my foray into the Manjaro Forum, I see why. Censorship. You say something bad about the sacred cow, and bam, you're censored. No help here. It's the same arrogant, condescending... Hmm, nasty word describing them, <laughs> that, that make up the Linux hierarchy. Such high expectations, since Manjaro is Arch-based, which has the best documentation, but with a broken password and the GUI and lack of touchpad support, that and the Manjaro community is anything but friendly, I find Manjaro unusable. Maybe since there are so many broken things, they need the documentation to fix things. Hmm? Let the arrogant, condescending bleep have their OS. I need something that works out of the box, not something needing repair work. And this is the 21st century. Touchpads in Linux should be more than a two-button mouse. Liz. Okay. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> And thanks for spicing up the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Liz sent additional thoughts on Manjaro. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Okay. I found password issues going back to 2015. Wow. You think Manjaro would have it fixed in six years. I wish... I knew that before I installed the crap with an explanation point and a lot of sad faces and angry faces. <laughs> Back to Linux Mint, but I loathe Flatpak Snap App Image. Why? It wasted so much storage, especially on older machines. Windows always uses common libraries, DLLs, and Linux use common libraries. Why the change? Okay. I think Liz is not happy with Manjiro. Yes. Um, and I keep hearing this, um, this one, uh, statement that Arch has the best documentation. Now, I will grant they have great documentation, but Ubuntu and Fedora have really great documentation too. I, don't know why everybody says that, you know, if you need a fix, go look at the Arch Wiki. I find if you're using Ubuntu-based or even a Fedora-based, you should probably go to their forums first because if you're having a problem, someone else has probably had it too. And there's lots and lots of documentation. I would say Ubuntu has just as much uh, or more than um, Arch. I could be wrong, but I've... If I've had a problem with uh, Ubuntu, I, I would find the answer somewhere. I could do a Google search. And more people use Ubuntu than Arch right now. So, Yeah, and I agree with you, Bill. Um, as somebody who writes some of the documentation for Ubuntu Mate, uh, I know that when you go to the Arch forums, uh, the Arch Wiki, uh, you will get a potential solution for your problem. And it'll probably say something like, give us the output of this command on the command line. And then they read the command on the command line, and then they say, okay, type these three commands, and then let us know what, what's happened. 
and then you go back and forth and eventually you find after several command line fixes or maybe a script or something uh, that you've got it fixed. Whereas if you had gone to the Ubuntu Mate forum, uh, you would find, oh, yeah, uh, we're aware of that problem and we have this uh, switch in Ubuntu Mate Tweak that takes care of that for you. Just open Ubuntu Mate Tweak and flip the switch and you should be good. Uh, yeah, so either way we'll fix the problem, but one is a lot more complex than the other. And I'm not saying every time it happens that way, but that's one of the reasons why you want to go to the forms for your distribution first. They may have a simpler way of doing it than the Arch way, which is by the nature of the distribution going to focus on command line fixes. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And uh, um, so, yeah, I go to your distro forms first and um, then if that, they can't help you, um, then you can start, I would say, go look at other things. I don't find the Arch Wiki that help, that easy to use, but then again, I'm old and set in my ways, so. Yep, there you go. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's a good thing, Bill. <laughs> As I'm finding out. <laughs> okay, right. so Liz followed up, and so now we've got her moving from Manjaro to Linux Mint, and she's got uh, an email about Linux Mint. Hi guys, Liz again. Got rid of that horrible Manjaro, and now I am minty matey fresh. It comes with Firefox, another podcast recommend Dark Reader, and doesn't work well. Any other ideas? Yeah, so Dark Reader is one of those things that changes essentially the theme to a dark theme. And maybe you need that for Firefox, but from what I've read so far, which admittedly hasn't been too much, Dark Reader is for Chrome, so I'm not sure that's going to work. But I'm sure that Firefox has a dark mode somewhere in its settings that you can select. Do you use Firefox rather than Chrome, Bill? Uh, I have. I don't use Firefox. Um that much I use um uh, brave um, okay uh every once in a while i'll i'll try i'll use opera just for old time's sake. I do have chrome but i I find that brave is uh works really well for me and uh when yeah. I'm on my linux uh, machine um just because it it's um what is the engine behind the the it's a chrome based browser sorry yeah mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i just find that it works um seems to work well with everything and have has a little more privacy built in so and it has right. a bunch of different settings too so it's kind of whatever works best uh, i thought firefox had had announced that they had a where they could adjust the the you know dark mode and I, I, they should have where you could maybe inverse the thing uh the the fonts and colors and stuff in for accessibility yeah, that's what i thought too yeah yeah so in the interest of try the simple things first look for a dark mode in your browser if that's what you want and look for a dark mode theme for linux mint and maybe that will do it for you maybe firefox will respect the 
the settings for your operating system and change its mode to match. And if not, look for a, a switch there to a dark mode of some sort and see if that works. Keep it simple. And Liz, while you're, you know, if you got time and want to uh, try, I know you're using a Mate for Mint. So I would also look at uh, a bunch of Mate and see if uh, they have those uh, different uh, uh, um, desktops with the different looks and feels uh, that maybe it would uh, work better for you. So you could throw it on a, a USB and just run it without touching your uh, Mint machine. See if that, see if you like it. There you go. So our next email comes from David, and he has a browser question for us. He says he's loving his Ubuntu Mate 21.04, and it's a very refined system, and it is just great, almost to the point I'm being boring as everything just works love how many of the icons have improved in looks especially apps like g-sync etc just very polished at any rate enough rambling which web browser do you and bill use i thought i ha had found the ultimate in the developer version of edge but it fails to download files off of one off of the onedrive site imagine that I found Firefox quirky. Chrome too open with my information tracking is awful. Shop for something then Facebook filled with it. <laughs> and Brave was just awful. I have just downloaded Tor and it looks very Chrome-like, but time will tell. Thought I would ask you guys what you guys use. Thanks, David. Longtime podcast listener. All your podcasts rock. Um, hmm. So... Um, I think we would kind of touch that in light where we just talked about that, but yeah, I, I've used Brave uh, uh, when I'm on Linux. Uh, I, I I do have Mozilla installed. I also have Opera. Um, and uh, but when you say you download Tor, you know Tor is uh, they have uh, Tor built into I think it's into Firefox uh, uh, browser. Yeah, uh, Tor is based on Firefox. Yeah, okay. What I've found is that uh, if you're running Firefox, there's some sites that don't play well with other, with Firefox and that you need a Chrome-based browser. And um, so I would suggest maybe looking at um, Brave again or maybe just look at Opera for your browsing needs. Um, what do you think, Larry? Yeah, uh, since he's using Ubuntu Mate and he's using 21.04, which is the most recent version at this time. I know there are several browsers that you can select from in Ubuntu Mate Welcome, and I don't know whether he's tried all of them, but go ahead and try them there. That's the easiest way to install them, and you can uninstall them when you don't want them. You can set them up as the default browser right there from Ubuntu Mate Welcome. And many of the alternative browsers are Chrome or Chromium-based, so they're not Chrome, but they are derived from Chrome, just like Tor is derived from Firefox. Uh, there are others that are based on Firefox as well. And if that doesn't work, I don't really have any personal experience with browsers that are not Firefox or Chrome on the back end or at their, at their base 
So I really can't help you too much other than uh, Microsoft Edge, which is one of the options in Ubuntu Mate Welcome these days. You know, I forgot about the one of my favorites. I haven't had time to play with it, but uh, look at Vivaldi. Oh, yeah. That's available on, on Ubuntu Mate Welcome Yeah, as well. Vivaldi is a really good browser. I enjoyed it. I don't know why I st- haven't been using as much. I just got on the browser and all the, my bookmarks and stuff. So I guess I'm just being lazy. But Vivaldi was really, really good too. I have that on my machine. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking through my browser and it's like, oh, I forgot about Vivaldi. There you go. Okay. So there's your suggestion, David. Try out Vivaldi. See what you think. Okay. Our next email is from Stephen who wrote us about a password manager called LessPass. Not LastPass, but LessPass. It's an alternative to LastPass. He writes, hey, hey, guys, hope you are doing good. In my humble opinion, you completely missed a category of password managers, stateless password managers, or a password manager that doesn't require a hackable central database structured system like LastPass. We'll have a link, of course, in the show notes to LastPass. He continues, I do not think this is a perfect system, but I love the fact that this kind of solution is available. It looks like it's available on all platforms that I personally require. I am not trying to say that it is perfect or the best solution, but personally, I like a solution that doesn't require a server. We all have to pick our battles and decide what we perceive as being important requirements This tickles all of the requirements I personally perceive as being important. Thanks, door-to-door geek, Stephen McLaughlin. Okay, well, Stephen, leave it to you to find the path less traveled. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. Yeah, um, I haven't tried it. I've opened their website. I've taken a look at what it is, and it's interesting uh, as you say, it's not going to be for everybody, but it's worth a look. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, he goes by Door to Door Geek. I call him Door for short, but Door to Door Geek um, is a friend of the show, and uh, uh, I tell you, he finds some things I've never heard of. And when we were talking about it at the beginning, I said, "Did you mistype that, Larry? It says last pass." I said, "Isn't it last pass?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to read it a couple of times. So, yeah, it's I will say leave it the door to find something that I have never heard of that works uh, for him. So, good on your door. <laughs> you rock when it comes to this. I tell you, if you ever need to know an alternative anything, door's the person. And uh, let me just throw a little plug. He has a podcast network, and I think his main show, Larry, is called Linux for the Rest of Us. So, if you're interested in... And, uh, uh, seen some of his content uh, or, or listening to it, uh, go over and hit him up. You can do a search on Google to find the, um, uh, it's the Pod, uh, Pod Nuts Network, Podcast Network. So, uh, exactly. He has some good stuff over there. He does. I found a lot of podcasts to listen to on his network. Yeah, he, so, he's. Thanks, Dor. He does m- different podcasts. He does some more podcasts than we do. <laughs> so, uh, give him, give him a listen if you're, if you, uh, need more Linux content. So our next email comes from Jan. Is that right? Jan? 
John? I think it's Jan. It could be John. It could be Jan. I don't know. But it's spelled J-A-A-N. And they wrote an email to provide us with a positive update on the Pinebook Pro, just as we had asked them, everybody to do if they had a positive uh, experience. He says, hi, I have used my Pinebook Pro with no problems. I have found plenty of support on Discord and the forums for both software and hardware. I'm using the Pinebook Pro as a replacement laptop. My experience has been great. The keyboard is great. No problems. So, okay. All right. Short and sweet. I like that. Good. So he, yep, absolutely. So they, so he seems to, he's using it as a, a replacement laptop. So, hey, that's impressive. And I'm glad it's been working out for you. Yeah. All right. And that's our last email. Ending on a positive note. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not sure what our next episode is going to be about, but it will be a user experience episode of some sort. We'll have a topic and dig into it at some depth. And until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinux.com. Until next time. Thanks for listening. 73. Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.